the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Stop stressing out. Stop worrying. He commands them. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Do not worry about your life. It's a command. Later in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about your future. Again, it's a command. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. And guess what? It's a command. Those commands are hard to follow right now. Our world has fallen into crisis, and there is a lot of uncertainty all around us. For many, worry feels like a fact of life right now. But as Pastor Dan will challenge us in today's message, Jesus commanded us not to worry. You have hope that transcends all of this. No matter what trial you find yourself in, you can trust that Jesus is with you and His will is good. You may lose it all, but to serve Christ is a better reward than anything this world offers. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 14 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Chapter 14, beginning in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him, and you have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Well, just, just as a reminder, chapters 13 to chapter 18 uh, is what is called the Upper Room 
discourse. It's one of four major teachings that Jesus gave that are recorded in the Bible. Uh, no doubt Jesus gave other teachings, uh, but, but only four are recorded for us in the Gospels, uh, four major teachings. The other, one, the other uh, uh, major teachings that are recorded are the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 to 7, uh, which is probably his best-known teaching. Uh, you have the kingdom parables in Matthew chapter 13, where Jesus tells a series of parables about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, that's where he tells the parable about the sower who sows the seed, and the seed lands on different soils. That's where he says the kingdom of heaven is like. And he tells a series of parables. Uh, you also have the Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24 and also Luke 21. Uh, it's called the Olivet Discourse because Jesus gave that teaching on the Mount of Olives. It, it talks about the end times or eschatology. And then we have the Upper Room Discourse, his fourth major teaching in the Gospels. The Upper Room Discourse is the longest teaching found in the Gospels, and, in, and it's called the Upper Room Discourse uh, because Jesus gave it in an upper room in a house in Jerusalem. It's not a public teaching, it's a private teaching. Uh, at this point, Jesus' public ministry is finished. Uh, they, they have rejected him as the Messiah, and so now he's just focused on his disciples. And, and so this is a private teaching that he shares with his disciples uh, around a dinner table as they have finished the Passover meal. They're sitting around a dinner table, and Jesus begins to share these uh, these teachings with his disciples. And so uh, it's, it's a very informal setting, sitting around a table. It's very personal. Uh, it's very uh, intimate. Um, and, of course, this is the night of his arrest. Uh, the next day he's going to be crucified. So these are his final moments with his disciples. Now, in the original text of the Gospel of John, there are no chapters and verses, and there's no chapter breaks. Uh, so chapter 14 is really just a continuation of the discussion in, in chapter 13. Uh, and if you look back at the end of chapter 13, Jesus told his disciples he was leaving. Uh, if you look back in verse 33, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, and down in verse 36, Jesus said, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. And so they're in the middle of this conversation about Jesus leaving. And then in verse 1 of chapter 14, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. Now, why does Jesus say, Let not your heart be troubled? Because the disciples' hearts were troubled. He just told them he's leaving. And they don't really understand what that means, but they don't like the sound of it just the same. And they're troubled by that. And so he says, don't let your heart be troubled. And in the Greek, it's, it's more like stop letting your heart be troubled. In the Greek, it's a command. It's a command. Jesus commands them to stop being troubled. Stop being anxious. Stop stressing out. Stop worrying. He commands them. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, do not worry about your life. And it's a command. Later in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, 
Do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about your future. Again, it's a command. Uh, In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. And guess what? It's a command. It's a command. Now, Jesus will never command you or command me to do something that we are unable to do. Isn't that interesting? He will never command you to do something that you're unable to do. Jesus will never command me to run a four-minute mile. At my age, in my shape, he probably couldn't command me to run a 14-minute mile at this point. Because I can't do it. That would be cruel. Jesus will not command you to do something that you're unable to do. Or if he does command you to do something that you're unable to do, he will supernaturally enable you to do it when he gives the command. And so if he says here, stop being troubled, stop worrying, stop stressing out about this, don't be anxious about that, that means that that we have the ability to do that. We have the ability to stop. We can control our emotions. Don't let your heart be troubled. And then look what Jesus said the disciples should do. Instead of being troubled of heart, he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Stop being troubled by what I'm saying to you. Instead, you believe in God, believe also in me. The word believe here, uh, it, it can also mean To trust, and your translation might even say trust. Stop stressing out and instead trust in God. Stop worrying and instead trust in God. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your steps. Trust in God. If you've come to church today with a troubled heart, trust in God. Trust in the Lord. Trust Him. Whatever your situation is that's troubling you, whatever your circumstances are, the answer is trust in God. Your Father in heaven knows your needs. He sees what's going on in your life. He knows what's happening The Bible says his thoughts of you are more than can be numbered. He's thinking about you continually. He he promises that he will work your circumstances together for good. So trust him. Stop stressing out and trust him. Don't let your heart be be troubled. Instead, trust in God. That's the remedy for a troubled heart. Trusting God. Look at verse 1 again. Jesus says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus says we should believe in him just as we would believe in God, which can only mean that Jesus is God. Uh, If he were to ask us to believe in him just as we would God and, and he's not God, then that would be idolatry. That would be blasphemous. The deity of Jesus Christ is one of the main themes of the Gospel of John, and we've seen that clearly declared throughout the Gospel of John, beginning from the very first verse 
of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes on to say, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became flesh and dwelt among us in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. We should put our trust in Him because He's God. It goes on in verse 2 to say, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. So Jesus tells the disciples where he is going and why he is going. He's going to heaven. He's going to heaven. Heaven is a real place. It's not a made-up fairy tale place. Heaven is a real place. And so is hell. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Jesus uh, spoke of heaven as a real physical location that he was going to. He describes heaven as his father's house. The Bible uses many different descriptions for heaven. It describes it as a country. It describes heaven as a city. It describes heaven as a kingdom. It describes heaven as a paradise. I like that description. And here it's described as my father's house. Heaven is home for the follower of Jesus Christ. This world, listen, give me your attention. This world is not our home. This world is not our home. We are, the Bible says, we are strangers in this world. We are sojourners. We are are pilgrims. We're just passing through this world onto our real home. And our real home is heaven. That's our true home. That's the home we long for in our hearts. To be home with God in our Father's house. And there's nothing like coming home, right? You take a long trip, you're on a journey, you go on a vacation or whatever, and there's nothing like coming to your home and just being in your home. I remember years ago when my oldest son was just a toddler and we took a trip to Florida and we were gone for a week and coming home, riding in the car all those hours to get back. And when we got in the house, he ran into the house and ran through the house all the way back to his bedroom And he dove on his bed and he just hugged his bed. He was just so glad to be home. There's just nothing like it, right? Just being in your house, being home, in your pajamas, right? It's just, you're safe, you're relaxed, it's a refuge. Listen, we're all on this long journey called life. And we're longing to be home. And one day we'll be home in our Father's house. At the end of this journey, we'll finally get home. And Jesus says in his father's house, there are many mansions, dwelling places. Your translation might say rooms. One commentary I read described these rooms as apartments. I sure hope they're not apartments. You know, 
I like mansions. That sounds much better than moving into an apartment. If it is an apartment, I'm sure it's going to be glorious. And we won't be disappointed. The point here is there, there is a place for each believer in our Father's house in heaven. Whether, whether it's a room or a mansion, God has prepared a place for you that is waiting for you when you arrive, when you finally get home. In 1 Peter 1, it says we have an inheritance reserved for us in heaven. Doesn't that sound wonderful? It's reserved for us. God has reserved an inheritance for you and for me, and it's waiting for us there in heaven. The reason Jesus was leaving his disciples to go was to go to heaven, to his father's house, to prepare a place for us there. Isn't that amazing just to consider that, that Jesus is in heaven preparing a place for us with him in his father's house, a place uniquely appointed for you and a place uniquely appointed for me. What, what will that be like? What, what will your mansion or your apartment look like? What will mine look like? What will, what will there be there in heaven? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what heaven will be like or what it will look like, but I know that it will be perfectly suited for each of us individually. Uh, you know, in the book of Revelation, we studied through the book of Revelation last year, and um, in the book of Revelation, John has a vision of heaven And when John describes heaven, it's interesting, John describes what's not there instead of what is there. It's it's as if there's too much to say about what is there, and so John describes for us what isn't there in heaven. When you travel to a foreign country, one of the things you typically notice are the differences that are there in that foreign country. You, You notice what's different about it. That seems to be what stands out to you the most. You know, like maybe the way that they make their coffee. It's not like the way they make coffee here in the United States. And that's the thing that you notice. Well, in Revelation, John described what was noticeably different about heaven. Listen to what he says in Revelation 21.4. He says, in heaven, there is no more death. There's no more sorrow, nor crying, nor pain. For the former things are passed away, and everything is made new. That's what stood out to John about heaven. John can say, I I can tell you what's not in heaven. There's no death there. There's no sorrow. There's no crying. There's no pain. The causes of those things are not in heaven. Everything's new. So different from the world that we live in. So Jesus was leaving the disciples to go to heaven to prepare a place for them. Then verse 3, he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus promised he would come again to receive his disciples to himself and then take them to heaven, to his father's house. And this is a promise for every believer, for every believer. And Jesus here, he's using, he's using imagery from the culture of that day And it's something that is still common in many Middle Eastern cultures today. In that culture, when a man married a woman, uh, they would live, the married couple would live in the home of the father of the groom. And so, wives, uh, if you lived in ancient times or if you lived in parts of the Middle East today, when you got married to your husband, you would move into uh, your husband's 
family's home. You'd move in with his family, with your in-laws. Think about that. (laughs) You know, if your in-laws live two states away and you think that's a little too close for comfort, well, it's not the next room, you know, kind of thing. Uh, This is still something that's practiced uh, in in Arab uh, families today. Many Arab families today still do this. You go to the Middle East today, in some countries you'll see in Arab towns, you'll often see at a home that's maybe two or three stories tall, and only the bottom story, the first floor, is built out, and people are living in the first floor. The second and third floor uh, are, are not finished. They're unfinished. Uh, and sometimes you'll see just you know, concrete pillars and rebar sticking up on the second and third floor, uh, and there's no walls, or maybe there's no windows, and it's all just kind of roughed in. The reason is that family has, has two sons. And so the father, when he built his house, he went ahead and roughed in the second floor and the third floor for his two sons. And once, his, his, once a son reaches adulthood, the father will begin to complete one of those floors for his son in anticipation of his son getting married and bringing his wife to come and live in that house in his father's house. That's the imagery Jesus is using here uh, in this this description of heaven. By the way, this is why in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 of your note taker, the command is given to the husband to leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. The command is not given to the wife. Why is that? Because the wife has already left her father and mother and moved in with her husband's family in her, in her husband's family's home. She has already left. The husband is still living with his parents. And so the command is given to the husband that he needs to leave and cleave to his wife. Even though he still lives physically with his parents, he needs to leave them emotionally and cleave to his wife. Here, Jesus, again, he uses that that same imagery where he is the groom, the church is his bride. He's preparing a place in his father's house for his bride. And one day he promises he will come for his bride and receive his bride to himself and take her to his home in heaven. And he receives individual believers when we die. And one day he will come for his church in the rapture and take his church to heaven to his father's house. So that's the imagery he's using. He's using this whole marriage imagery of preparing a place in your father's house for your bride and you to live. Now, in our culture today, when a man wants to marry a woman, what does a man give that woman as a sign of his intentions to marry her? He gives her an engagement ring, right? And he gives her that engagement ring, and that engagement ring is a symbol of his intentions That engagement ring says he intends to marry her, and then there's this engagement period, and during that engagement period, the man is preparing for a life together with his bride, or at least he should be. Uh, And maybe that means he he gets a job, he moves out of his parents' house, he gets his own place, he saves money for the wedding, he saves money to start a life together with his new wife. That's a different sermon for a different time, but what a man should do before he gets married. But Well, in, in Jesus' day, that meant build a room on your father's house for you and your bride to live in. That's, that's getting ready for marriage. He asked me how I know and I say bring true 
If you missed any part of today's message or would like to hear more of Pastor Dan's teachings from 1 John, you can do so right now at calvaryec.com. Just click on media. In fact, there's an entire library of Pastor Dan's messages that you're welcome to listen to and even share with friends and family. Would you do us a favor? Would you join us in praying for the ministry of Ring of Truth? Please pray for Pastor Dan and everyone involved in this program that we would continue to listen and respond to what our Heavenly Father has to say. Pray too for your brothers and sisters in Christ listening along with you that they would be protected from the enemy and that the truth and blessing of Scripture would fuel their passion for following the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to pray. Though our time with you is at an end for today, we'd like to encourage you not to shut your Bible just yet. Continue reading in the book of 1 John or take some time to explore any of the other 65 books in God's Word. Each one reveals new aspects of your relationship with your Creator and will open your eyes to His purpose and plans for this world and for you. We pray you are blessed richly as you continue an extended time of learning from Scripture. Thanks for tuning in today, and join us next time for another edition of Ring of Truth.